0: Good morning, ladies, and welcome to Parshas Amor, Top Shin, Pay Aleph, 5781. Um, I have almost all new material for you today. And hopefully this is this, this topic is not for the faint of heart <laughs> because it's some heavy duty stuff, but it's very relevant and very important for our lives. So we have to, these are things we all have to think about at times, and hopefully we'll address them. This week's Parsha speaks about, first of all, many halachas for kohanim. We're not going to delve into that too much, but that is part of the Parsha. I always like to review a little bit the Parsha. Then it talks about two types of sacrifices. One is the shlamim, which, uh, which people would bring on yantif. And then there's the Toda, which people bring of appreciation, korban Toda. Today we bench Gimel that replaces the korban todah, you know, like the fork um. The four situations are a person crosses through a desert, gets out of jail, or um, life-threatening illness. All these things, Loa Elena, or overseas, that's not Low Elena. We should all get to Eretz Yisrael. In all those cases, a person brings a Korban Toda, or today, ben Gumbel, or Ask Your Rav. There are different alternatives for women, depending on your locale and your Rav's opinion. Then there's a lot about the holidays, a lot about the holidays this week, Parsha. Uh, beginning with Pesach, and then right away, Spiris HaOmer is in this week's Parsha, all at, at, at you know, for sure. And then it ends off, the Parsha ends with the person that blasphemed God's name and what was done with him. Uh, we do have last year's Parsha uh, still up on YouTube, if you'd like to hear it. It's still there, and uh, that has totally different information and you can, a little bit different uh, spin on Spiris HaOmer and on mostly the blasphemer. Today, I decided to... It just, I didn't decide, it just Hashem hit me between the eyes with the topic of Kiddush Hashem, like what it means for us. And, you know, like, again, this is a lady's view, not the pure halacha, because I I really beg to say that I definitely am no expert on the topic. But from what I could glean from the the writings of basically Rav Shem Shem Pincus, we have from Reverend Victor Miller, we have from Reverend Alpert, I'll try to quote them as we get to them. And um, also of Mordechai Miller from Gateshead, Zichrona Malbacha. Um, now, the, um, so let's start off with that. This time we have five questions and some amazing information, and I'm sure that this is going to inspire us for growth. Okay. Question number one. Um, you know, it's always relevant. We don't understand always, but there's the connections between you know different topics in the Torah is always extremely relevant. Like, for example, in this week's Parsha, we have the Kohanim, and then we have the Korban Toda, the Thanksgiving offering. And then we have Kiddush Hashem. Then we have the holidays and Spira. Is there a deeper connection between all of these? And we'll probably be answering that at the onset. Uh, then, so what is the connection? Some of these are deep lessons to be learned by connections. Number two. We're going to explore Kiddush Hashem. It's not widely discussed, but what are its lessons for us? Like, what can we learn? You know, we just think, oh, that's something in the past, the the Holocaust, the Crusades, or something, you know, in the future. But what are the lessons for us? Question number three. The way the whole mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem is worded is very interesting. Okay, so let me just read it to you in this week's parsha. Veloisachalalu with shame kachsi. You should not desecrate my name, b'nikdashti basof Yisrael, and I will be sanctified amongst the people of Yisrael. Ani Hashem, I am Hashem, who sanctifies you. It says you can't desecrate God's name, and then it says in a in a passive way, I will be sanctified. That's a statement. That's but from this b'nikdashti we're taught that you should give your lives up at times. For Kiddush Hashem, at times not. We're going to go into all that today, believe it or not. And it says, I'm the one who makes you holy. Like, what's all this connection here? I'm the one who makes you holy. What is that? What's the relevant there? And also, why is it said in the passive? Like, that's so, you know, such a huge mitzvah. And it's said in, in a passive, you know, it's said just, sound, you know, if it's such a great mitzvah. Uh, two more questions. How can we perform such a difficult mitzvah? We're gonna get into what it means, the ramifications, and how can we do it? And last but not least, we're going to touch upon the Omer. Uh, We've done it many times in the past. I wanted to do a new spin, so I have found a few things that I've never said, and we're going to touch upon it a different way today. And um, with the Omer, the question that I wanted to address or Victor Miller asked this question is, there are other counting elements that people count. Like for example, People are supposed to, the bastion counts when it's going to be Yovel, you know, when the 50th Jubilee year in Eretz Yisrael, or when it's Shemitah. The bastion counts that on behalf of us. We don't sit there and say this is the first year in Shemitah, this is the second year of Shemitah. Why is it in this particular case, we have to all as a nation count? The only other time Taka person counts, woman counts is. I mean, it's a, today it's more of like a minag, it's recommended, but a lot of people don't obligate it by halacha. Women counts for seven clean days. Um, but, you know, that's because of purification. Why does a whole clay Yisrael count this? And another interesting thing, we've mentioned this part before. This is the only line I think I'm going to mention from the whole uh, Omer uh, from, from previous years is that Rav Nevin Sal says interesting thing is you can't be yotze If somebody says today's the whatever day in the Omer, you can't be yotze by them counting. Whereas Kiddush, you could be yotze almost any bracha. If someone says it on your behalf, you could be yotze. But means you have to say the bracha for yourself. What does that mean? Okay, those are our questions, ladies. Let's dig in all you brilliant minds out there that I'm puny in comparison to, but I just happen to sweat over this work and prepare. So you will get the benefit of the preparation. You'll probably have some amazing uh, things, uh, questions and comments. And again, we're just starting back now. Please get everyone to come back. I hope we get everybody back to where they were before because we love the whole group here. Okay, first presenter that we're going to mention today about how things connect is from the Sefer Or Gedalia. This is from Rav Gedalia Shore, Zechert Tzadik the Racha. He was uh, one of the former Rosh of Torah Vidas, very uh, like a Hasidic uh, type of, of thought. Not totally, because Torah Vidas is not totally Hasidish, but it's on the Hasidic vein. But he gives like a, an explanation I thought we could incorporate um, about the whole idea of the why things are all connected in this week's Parsha. Now we find... That um, last week's parsha, by the way, I'm going to add on a little bit here. Kadoshim to you. We are told to be holy. Or Victor Miller says, "What does it mean to be holy?" <clears throat> it means that a person is supposed to strive for perfection. That is really our mandate during the Omer. We're supposed to strive for perfection. That is that's what we're here for in this world. And the, um, the we're supposed to that the purpose of all the Torah mitzvahs is that a person is supposed to go b- above this world, transcend this world, not let the vicissitudes of life get to someone. Someone is supposed to be above all those types of things. And this Kedusha that Hashem innately gave us, that we're, we're able to take hold of, is what gave us the rights to have Kohanim. Now, Kohanim are established, we wouldn't have Kohanim if we wouldn't have Jews. The coin is just said, a koin gadol The In this week's parasha, we're told the phrase, Kohen is greater than his brothers, says Rip Shor, But that doesn't diminish that the Jewish people are meant to be holy. They have uh, they have the potential within them, and they have the admonition that they have to achieve this. For example, not only is the Kohen greater just because we have Jewish people, but it also says, Mekadeh Shisral Vahasmanim, the Jews are able to sanctify the, ha- a bastin can declare what day is Yom Kippur, nobody else, they can say when's Rosh Chodesh, and it's because, because we are kadosh, because we have a holiness within us, that we can, it says, Mechadosh the v'Hazmanim, Hashem made the Jewish people holy, therefore we can make the holidays holy, another expression used, Asher you're going to call these, you're calling the names of the Moadim, the Jewish people have such a holiness. Now we can't take this the wrong way. I can't stop. I have to throw this in. I just think it's a cute interjection here. Years ago, there was on the radio, I used to sometimes listen to talk radio, and there was a scandal that hit Toronto about 10, I would say around 10 years ago, that there was a Hasidish man going from flying from Newark to Toronto, a Hasidish man, and he was seated next to a woman who probably was immodestly dressed. So he looked at her and he said, he didn't, I, I think he, my humble opinion was he didn't know how to speak, you know, English properly. So he said something like change. He looked at the lady, he wanted her to change seats because he didn't want to have that distraction and that temptation of having a woman sit next to him that's not properly dressed. So she made a whole stink of it to the airlines and on, on the radio and on the news everywhere. She said, you know, look, these Jewish people making such a big deal. They won't sit next to women and blah, blah, blah. And um, there was a whole back and forth on the radio by the time there was no cell phones in those days. By the time I got home, I wanted to call in with my own opinion. but, But the segment was over. The last thing they said, an Orthodox Jewish woman got online from Toronto. And she said something like, he couldn't sit next to her because we're holy and the whole place erupted nobody knew what that meant <laughs> it really wasn't it, it i don't think she said it quite the right way because it's a little bit and you know, if you say something like that like nobody knows what the heck you're talking about what do you mean you're holding that is not the reason i would explain to a non-jew as to why we're not listening i see somebody's on the bus i hope you have a nice trip um that they um that you know it's not the reason why you know we are um why we are when we say we're holy it does it's not the reason why a man cannot sit next to a woman it's because he's supposed to try to become more holy we have a potential for holiness and all of that is trying to you know keep himself holy it, it, it could it was well, trying to well, i think what she meant to say was that a woman is more than just a piece of meat and a woman has an neshama and you know to not regard her as a lowly person um that's why we have tineas and that's why she had to dress up but when it came out like that, that we're holy, I don't think anyone online, you know, on the air understood what you would saying. It really like threw me for a loop. But went, this is the Jewish. That's why I wanted to get on. I never comment on radio stations. But at that particular time, I felt like the explanation was very weak. And I felt that it had to be explained further. Any case. So that is the reason why it's connected. The Moadim and Kiddush Hashem sandwiched in the middle and the Kohanim. To show it's the Jewish people that infuse the Kohanim with who they are and infuse the Moadim with what they are. And it's all from the potential Kedusha that we could grow with. Now, says Rav, Rav, Rav Gedalia, he says, usually a Jew is supposed to live by the Torah. The Torah is to live by. We're supposed to, um, you know, we're, we're, we're supposed to, the Torah is like something that's so important to us. That um, we're supposed to live rather than die, to continue keeping the Torah. Any mitzvah is very important, of course, but uh, it's more important Ba'i Baham. you're supposed to live. But there are three Avas that a person has to be willing to give his life up for, that lest he God forbid, commit them. And these three sins are adultery, idolatry and murder. Zara, and Now, he says there's a parallel. He says, all three, why, why do we have to give up? These three transgressions are the the source of our life. Like without Torah, without, um, you know, with, 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 without, um, with well, anyways, we'll explain that in a minute. He says, like, these are the three sources, The give us life source. We don't have life if we transgress these three commandments. These are, if you've gone this far to transgress these three, then you have gone beyond where a person should go as far as, uh, you know, keeping the Torah the way it should be kept. Now, here's the parallel. He says there's three, you know, if we said in Pirkei Avos, there are three uh, foundations to the world, Torah, Avoda, and Gamilas Chasadim. There is Torah, there is prayer or sacrifice in the olden days, but it's a way of giving yourself up to Hashem, and Chesed. Now, these three things parallel the three Averis, like says if a person, what, what is, why do people commit adultery or such type of horrible type of acts like that? Because their head is not in, in, the, in the avenue of holiness at that moment. Their head's not screwed on tight. They're, they're just playing around with life. They don't realize what life is about. And they're just, you know, they, they don't realize there's any rhyme or reason or rules or things you have to live for or aspire for. So with Torah, that rectifies uh, a person doing such a cardinal sin. Avoda, a person with 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 serving God with prayer, that takes away idolatry, because idolatry is you're serving the wrong source. You're serving usually most idolatry. I've learned from Rishasheva's. I remember hearing this from the peak school Rishasheva, Shlita. He said like I, I, he quoted someone else. I don't remember at this point who it was, but he said that that the difference between idolatry and serving Hashem is that serving idolatry is really self service. You're serving yourself. You're saying, "Dear idol, please give me. I I want a cottage in the Bahamas. You know what I mean? Give me my villa, please. Uh, you know, idol, I, I, idol, give me my uh, whatever it is that I want. You're serving yourself. A Hashem means you're not serving yourself. It means you want to live your life to 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 give some credence, to give some appreciation to your Creator. And um, gemilas chasadim is the third pillar the world stands on. That's uh, that's that atones for that helps that's the pillar of the world that murder would get rid of because mila's chesed is you're you're trying to be like god and live a selfless life and not think of yourself and 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 murder is the most heinous ways of thinking of yourself i don't like this person existing on the planet so let's knock them off you know like you're you're really self-serving in those three cases these also correspond to the three holidays shavuos is the holiday of torah it's the holiday of, of, of where your head is. The head is for wisdom. And wisdom is the most important thing to me and to live a life with meaning. Pesach is when we got rid of idolatry with, the, with getting rid of the Korban Pesa. we sacrificed the idol of the Egyptians. And that's a service. We're serving Hashem and no longer the Egyptians. And Sukkot, which represents either unity, or I'm adding this little part on because I think it's the same idea A living with not wanting to have, you know, that this world is temporary. When you see it that way and you see that everything really should be unified together. And that's what the sukkah means. That has to do with uh, murder, which would be, you know, like not unity, obviously, and not lacking, you know, and also giving chesed. If that's all idea of chesed is sukkah, is that you don't need much so then you can live for others. Um, As Fas Emma says, in all cases, if a person wants perfection, they want Kedusha, they want Kedoshim to you. It it connects to the holidays, but it's also achieved when we employ willing to give up our lives. What what the focus is of our lives, what what our lives are here for. Okay, so now we're into some of the heavier stuff for a temporary moment, but it's really important that we have to go over these because it reminds us what we're here in the world for. I'm going now according to the Rosh Pinkus. This is I don't know Rambam myself and all these kind of things. I mean, I'm he's quoting the Rambam, but I'm going by our our spiritual leader, Rosh Pinkus, sacred side of the bracha, and to give us some instruction into what is the mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem. Let's get it clear because it's thrown around all over the place. Let's get it clear so we understand as women what basically is in it for us and how it applies and why there are certain rules. Okay, so there's three aspects of Kiddush Hashem by the Rambam in in, uh, in, in his in his Safer, um, uh, what's it called? Um, Mishnah Torah. Okay, I think it's Hilchazi Sodei Torah where he brings down the mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem. So first of all, <clears throat> there are the three cardinal things that are most associated with it. You're supposed to give up your life rather than to commit those three sins. Remember, idolatry, adultery, and murder. Now... Um, the Rambam also adds, whoever does such a thing, like be it in the Holocaust, we shouldn't be tested like this, be it in the Holocaust or be it in the, the Crusades, whoever does give up his life, the Rambam says he's like Hanania, Mishael, and Azariah, and Rabbi Akiva, as soon as a person gives up his life like that, and but, but there's a consequence, it says if a person does not give up his life for Kiddush Hashem, then he's machalel he he's, he's, desecrates this commandment. Now, I want to say one little thing that I heard Astro below years ago. He said in the Holocaust, for the most part, this was not considered an opportunity of Kiddush Hashem. We'll talk about that later. But, um, okay, it's only to commit these three at this moment till we go further. Okay. These three is Yarog, Val, Yavor. You're supposed to give up your life rather than to commit those three sins. Now, for a woman, God forbid, being raped is not adultery. It's not adultery. If she goes against her will, she is not. She has not transgressed this myth, but she doesn't have to give up her life for such a thing. Okay. The second case where you're supposed to give up your life. Um, okay. Wait, there's, there's like three. Um, there's like three uh, subsections to giving up your life. One is the three sins. Okay. The second time a person has to be willing to give up their life is if somebody is told to commit a sin in front of 10 others. 10 other Jews. Now, if it's something that's just you and the walls or less than 10 Jews, you're forbidden to give up your life. But if somebody wants you to give up your life in front of 10 Jews, um, you have to give up your life to transgress any commandment. We'll talk about that in more detail in a moment. And the third thing is when there's shmad, that wasn't, Rabbi Lois said shmad was not the Holocaust. Shmad is if the purpose of this horrible, thing that's going on in the world is to get you to to break your religion, like Hanukkah, that was schmad, uh, you know, not Purim, the Holocaust is more like Purim, he just hated Jews, didn't matter what your, you know, your relationship with Judaism was, just hated Jews, but if it's a question of your Judaism, your Judaism, schmad, even on a custom, you're, you're not allowed, you have to, be willing to give up your life rather to transgress schmad, any questions, please feel free to ask them. I understand this is like, but technical questions, not like going off on tangents. Okay. So let's review that again, just easily. There are, there are really three cases of kiddush Hashem, but we are just doing section one. Now we're just doing heading one heading one is the three you have to give up your life for one is for the three cardinal sins. Number two is if it's in front of 10 other Jews and it's going against your religion, and three, when it's Shmad. Okay, now there are, um, there are subsections to this and we're going to discuss the subsections. Okay, the three cardinal sins, by the way, Rav Shem us says something that's extraordinary that, you know, these are all new. Some of these things are very new to me and I felt I have to learn this properly and we, have to, we all have to know this basically. Of course, we have to ask Rabbanim. God forbid we shouldn't be tested. But, you know, but, um, okay. Now, Rav Shemshem Pinkus says there's a concept in halacha called abizrayu. And abizrayu literally means like a branch. It's, it's a, a Aramaic term. And that means these are equally binding laws, albeit they aren't, the main, they aren't the main law. You're not punished the same way. But you have to be willing, in this case, to give up your life rather than to commit ab- abizrayu of these. These three cardinal sins, anything that smells like it, that smells of these three cardinal sins, you have to be willing to give up your life rather than desecrate. Let's give some examples. He says, one thing is, even if you didn't have Kavana to desecrate it, like let's say accidentally you bowed down before a Buddha, that's like an or, or, or or accidentally you said, I don't believe in God. Uh, that that doesn't mitigate it. It mitigates it as far as if your probably punishment won't be as bad, but you can't do it even accidentally. That is called, they're equally obligated to give up your life for such a thing. Now let's explain what that means. That is, you know, in the 1950s in Israel, there was a big thing swirling around. It was called in Hebrew, gius banos. This is when the government um, proposed that women should be inducted into the Israeli army. And many uh, 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 post and great rabbis of those of those era, I would say virtually all of them in the Haredi camp said, Yarog Val Yavor, that a Jewish woman has to let herself be killed rather than to participate in the Israeli army. In other words, to that degree, they fought the conscription of women in the army, and they felt it was forbidden for a girl that identifies with the Haredi community. To go into the Israeli Army because they felt this was a branch of adultery. Like if you're gonna have 19-year-old boys or 18-year-old boys and 18-year-old girls in the army, what does that equal? And they're all wearing pants and they're all whatever. What is that? What does that come to? <laughs> Potential, all kinds of fun things that are in the category of similar to adultery. And the rabbis in those days ruled it's us, it's forbidden to be conscripted in the army because that's a form, an abizrahu of. Gili that's what they said, and that's how we understand it. There's something similar, says Roshim pinkus to shvichas Daman, to murder. I'm sorry, to Avodah um, to idolatry. If, God forbid, somebody is faced, he says, with a terrorist, and the terrorist says, are you a Jew? You are not allowed. You're supposed to give up your life. You're never allowed to say, I am not a Jew. You are never allowed to say that. So we look at this Daniel Pearl uh god should avenge his blood was not a religious person and i think i don't know i'm not a rub, but it seems to me that he was he died all kiddush Hashem because he said i am a jew right before he died you know um okay uh now you're allowed though it's interesting you're allowed to say why do you think i'm a jew you're allowed to say that because that's not actual idolatry it's just saying why do you think i'm a jew uh, that you're allowed to say, but you're never allowed to say, I am not a Jew, never allowed to say that. Now, um, you know, um, you can, you could pretend you could dress up as a non-Jew, you know, a person in the Holocaust, they did that because again, the threat was not, was not to commit idolatry. The threat was they wanted to destroy, kill Jews, then you're allowed to, but if someone's asking you, if you believe in the Jewish religion, you're never allowed to say, I don't believe in it. Here's another one that's very famous that uh, there's an Rahu of murder. What's the Rahu of murder? Embarrassing somebody in public. It says, Kol ha-mal bin barabim. Whoever embarrasses somebody in, bu- in public is as if you killed him. If you killed him. There's a few famous stories on this topic. There's one, Rabbi, uh, Yaakov Yisrael Lubachansky, um, who was the mashkiach of Baranovish, yeshiva. In the 19, well, he, 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 he was right before the Holocaust. And um, there was a situation in this town. There was a shul that sometimes he would frequent. They davened, I guess, basikin in the morning. And in those days you had to put coal in the coal oven in order to, you know, warm up the shul. So there was a shamish in that shul who tended to be a bit lazy and sometimes he relied on the Mishalachim that would sleep in the shul. They would, he would assume they would put coal in the fire, logs in the fire, whatever it was that they put in that oven. They would warm up the shul in the morning and he didn't have to bother, you know, have to get up so early and be cold and everything. So I'll often, you know, when Mish- or other people, poor uh, stragglers that would be, you know, had a, needed a place to sleep at night, would sleep in the shul and they'd, they'd, they'd get the fire going. And then, you know, he'd be appreciative, but he tried, he didn't always do it himself. Anyways, one morning, Israel Yaakov comes early and he puts, he, he's himself putting things into that, that stove to warm up the oven. And uh, the Shamish, thinking he was another one of these poor beggars that would sleep in the shul, he like kicked him in the in the behind. He like gave him a big a slap on the back or whatever, something like that. Just gave him some kind of major slap on the back, you know, that you would do to like a, you know, who you'd think is the lesser than type of person. And Rabbi Shaliyaka was afraid if he would turn around and see who he just hit like that, he would be humiliated. He didn't want to embarrass him. And this was not even in public. He stuck his head more into the oven, more into the oven. And in fact, his, burn, his beard got singed from that experience because it's like Tamar and Yehuda, she said, I'm not going to reveal who did this thing with me. And I would rather be burnt than to embarrass somebody. And that's just in private. There was a story that I love about Rebetzin Kanievsky. She should rest in peace. Once she was walking uh, after davening, she would have a whole slew of women following behind her to get brachas from her on her way home from davening every day. So there was an irreligious Israeli woman from Tel Aviv that went up to the Rebetzin asking for a bracha for something. And a young man in B'nai Brock stood there and he watched, witnessed the Rebbetson talking to such a woman. And he said, you dress like this in B'nai Brock in front of the Rebbetson, go home to Tel Aviv. You know, he was, in, he had, he was indignant that someone should, should talk to the Rebbitzin dressed in such a way. So she, the Rebbitzin like could not contain herself. She could not contain herself. She said to him, she said, You're makbid on Sneas and you're not makbid on embarrassing a fellow man in public. She said, You're never, I never say this, but you're not invited to my home in B'nai Brak ever. She told him this. She said, You're not makbid on murdering somebody. You're not makbid on murder. And they said, She was so beside herself. She, she interrupted Chaim, Kanyevsky, Shlita, Lahavdil, and his learning. And, and she told him, I, I, I just witnessed a murder. I just witnessed a murder. And she had to take some kind of pill to calm herself down, which she rarely did. But she took usually because of the, the the burdens of other people weighing on her. She had to sometimes take up something to calm her down. This was not her own thing. She felt like she just witnessed a murder and she couldn't contain herself. They saw another story similar from Yisrael Chaim Kaplan, who was a um, who was a, a, a Russian Shiva. In the Torah Vidas, he was supposed to be a very special person. So special, they say his heartbeat. his doctor attested to the fact that his heart beat differently during the month of Elul than it beat during the year. Anyways, he also one time was beside himself crying and all upset. And someone, asked, some of the, the manahil of his yeshiva said, "Rabbi, please tell me what's wrong? Do I Should I get an ambulance? Like you're, you're distraught. And he said, I'll tell you, but please don't tell anybody. I just saw one buffer insult another bacher in public he said he embarrassed him and humiliated him in public it's like witnessing a murder i i can't i can't i i can't live with myself i i i just witnessed a murder i i am i beside myself this is supposed to be our attitude it's an abizrayu of Shrikha's damim. we are supposed to not allow ourselves to to what's it called to um to witness such a thing and not be affected just read to you what Rav says here. Can I ask a question? Yes. Can you repeat again, what is the English translation for Abis Raihu? A branch. Uh-huh. Okay, so it says in Gemara Sota, this is just the, the source, um, it says, Noach lo la'adam shiapil Kivshana It should be easier for a person to throw himself into a fire. Even though we don't find that in halacha, um, but this is in Yarag V'al Yavor. Okay, this is like, you're not supposed to allow yourself to hear such a thing. You're not allowed to to, to embarrass, that's how far we have to stretch ourselves, not to embarrass somebody in public or not to be present. I remember in Toronto many years ago, there was someone who, um, who came to speak, a hush of a lady came to speak to Toronto, and she said the word, in the middle of her speech, she said the word schwarza, which is, only means in Yiddish, black person, but some people consider it derogatory. She said that word. There was someone in the audience who happened to be married to a black convert, and like she got all upset and offended, and three women walked out of the sheer, besides the, the woman that was married to the black convert because those three women wanted to show they didn't, you know, they didn't want her to be embarrassed. And they were like siding with it, which was a beautiful, um, a beautiful thing that they showed. Now, so that's, so, so one, you know, like one um, thing about these, these three is that, that we said that if you have to put like a wait that's like a Roman numeral one about the three cardinal sins, you have to be willing to kill yourself for um, the little, the underheading, the subheading, which would be A, I guess, and there's only an A, is even an Rayu of these three things. You have to be willing to give yourself up for. Okay, now second heading that a person we said has to um, under. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, the, the second thing is. Um, is, is this the three sins, and you have to under the three? I'm sorry, this the, the main thing would be you have to kill yourself, and it's the, the three cardinal sins. And even if it's an Abizrahi, you have to kill yourself for those three cardinal sins. Now, section B under this heading of Yarog Val Yavar kill yourself rather than to transgress would be if you're in front of 10 people, we said, um, in, in, in private, it's forbidden, you're not allowed to ever give up your life. But if somebody, now this this would be like you know, we said, if there's a if there's ten people, and um, you're told publicly to transgress, now this does not mean, says Pincus, does not mean not to do something. Like if he said, if somebody would threaten you, don't put on film, Uh in front of ten people, you are allowed to give in to him. He said there are years that Jews had to live without mitzvahs. That's what he said. Bring halacha. Like I'm not a rub, I'm quoting him, not me. He said, you know, you should, if it's a t- to not do a positive commandment then you don't have to listen because it doesn't show like you gave into pressure. It's just, you're not doing it. But if it's to do a negative, like to eat pig in front of 10 people, then you have to give up, you know, you have to, you have to give up your life for such a thing. Now, Shmad in time of people saying that they're destroying Jews who want to believe in Judaism. This is like the Crusades and the, maybe the Spanish Inquisition, all these types of things. Even if they tell you to change your custom you have to not give in and give up your life because they're doing it to to fly in the face of your religion. Apparently, says Pincus, like over, by now it's probably 250 years ago, in Poland, there was a big machlokas, a big argument. There were Rabbanim who, um, there was an incident where the, 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 uh, the people that were in the reform movement were influencing government and they convinced them that every Jew should shave off his beard and pay us. This is a whole challenge that Polish Jewry had over 250 years ago. So the rabbanim were split, believe it or not, on this sock. Some rabbanim said no; they just the government is only issuing this decree because it's a question of wanting people to be modernized, not a question of religion. So the rabbanim said no; you 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 should you know just shave your beard and be quiet. And there were other rabbanim; were a split between Gedola, not a split between you know. The more modern and the less modern. These were a split between big rabbanim. He doesn't mention who or what. And he said there were other rabbinim that felt, no, this is a question of it's really underneath this all is an anti-Semitic act to try to get rid of Judaism. And they felt, and no matter what, you should not shave off your beard. That's an interesting point, but it's just showing us in what cases we have to keep Kiddish Hashem. And that's the that's the low with ashamed. You're not allowed to kill, you know, you have to become holy. And these are the cases where a person has to give up their life. Can a person be machmer? Now, I don't think any one of us, I'm surprised somebody even asked this but uh, to a Pincus, but he said, you have to ask your Rav, but the basic idea is that, um, you know, that, uh, that he said, you know, like that, that, that the basic idea is it's in your mind, anything that takes you away from religion. And that's, that's the, the question people are asking. Now, the, um, now there is that's, so that's the first heading of when a person has to. There's also an idea of kiddush Hashem, of, of the idea of chil Hashem, rather, of when it's called the chil Hashem. You don't have to give up your life, but things you're not allowed to transgress because it's like a chil Hashem. And that goes according to your level. Like a big, big tzaddik. Uh, it says in the Gemara, Rava said, if he didn't pay his bills on time, if he paid it on credit, for him, it's a chil Hashem. Now that's an amora. That's not our generation at all. But this is like for the greatest rabbi of the generation, he has to look perfect. His clothes have to look perfect. Everything about him, you know, he, uh, you know, he, it, there was a story even about the Chavetz Chaim one time he came late to davening. And I think it was because he was doing, a, engaging in a mitzvah. He got up and told the whole shul why he came late, you know, so they shouldn't think that that's, you know, just like, because you know, he felt the responsibility to have to say that. We, according to our level, as religious people, we have an obligation of, of Hill hashem, like for example i don 't think a Jew should engage in road rage, like you know when we do it, we look like everybody else, like we should be so boiling angry that the, the car got cut us off or whatever, like you know enough, like you know certain things a jew shouldn 't look like, you know, or um you know or you know, the, the, you know we, we just have to know what would be beneath our dignity. Raf palmza Sal tells us. That Bali Chuba have a great opportunity in making a, a Kiddush Hashem, or God forbid, doing a chil Hashem, the way they react to their religious parents. There was once a book many years ago, which I will not mention the title. I was infuriated when I got that book. I got rid of it. It was published by Frum Publisher, and um, it was a, a mother of a Bala's Chuba. And in the book, just, you know, also aside, how she wasn't included at all in her daughter's wedding and how she had nothing to do with anything in the future and everything was done by the, the the i was infuriated because i felt it gave an impression that you know like you know they look down on the rest of the world and they're not honoring their parents and they're not that's terrible every time a Balchuva honors his parents he's also doing kiddush hashem it's not just honoring parents it's a question of kiddush or Chil hashem Okay. And then the third category of kiddush Hashem, it's not killing, uh, it's not letting yourself be killed. It's not a question of according to your level, but there's mitzvahs. When you do something, a mitzvah, just to show I'm doing it for Hashem. I have no pleasure in this mitzvah. I'm just doing it because Hashem wants me to, or God forbid the opposite. If somebody does not avera, not because of any pleasure, but because, just be, because I, I just don't want to do this mitzvah, or do the Seveira, That's a chil hashem. The chavetz chaim considers that it could be a potential in some comments of lashon hara that people make. It could be under the category of chil hashem because sometimes people get no personal pleasure speaking lashon hara. Sometimes we do. It's nakama against somebody. I mean, that's nakama. Then you're either nakama, you're not over chil hashem. But you know, you've done. Uh, you've been uh, taking revenge. But um, if a person is. Is what's it called? Taking if a person is just doing it and there's just shooting the breeze, saying some lashanara, it could be doing a chil Hashem because you're getting no personal pleasure out of this. You're just doing it to hurt other people. I hope you're all with me. I hope everybody's with me and hearing this and getting it. And I hope I'm not going too fast. Please, uh, if you need to clarify anything, please ask me. Okay, now we're getting a little bit simpler. So those are the basic ideas of what Chil Hashem is. And those that's the categories of Chil Hashem. Rabbeinu Yonas tells us, who's also a, an early commentary. So he's like on the level of Rashi and Rambam. He says, Kiddush Hashem. If you do a Kiddush Hashem in your life, that can, that can, you know, that can, um, we know Kiddush Hashem, by the way. Okay, good. Thank you for telling me, Chana Tavar. Thank you for telling me. You got it. I appreciate that. Um the um, what's it called? So, the, the what's it called? So, Kiddush Hashem. Um, we said, Chil Hashem, Yom Kippur doesn't, doesn't forgive you for um, uh, your person uh, until they die, they're not forgiven. For Chuvah doesn't help you with Chil Hashem, only death atones. But one way to atones is the Ram it says, Rabbeinu Yonah for Chil Hashem is making a Kiddush Hashem in your behavior. What is the main thing Kiddush Hashem Rav Dessler tells us? It's your thoughts. He said when they tried, he said when the Nazis came and they destroyed the yeshiva of Kalm, Kalm, the bastion of holiness, it was a small yeshiva, but it produced the greatest rabbis that we have to, from today, everything emanates from Kalm. Although in the yeshiva world, in the litvish world, everything we have today is from Kalm. And when they were put, the whole yeshiva was slaughtered. When they were murdered, they started to dance. And they started to say, we have an opportunity to dial Kiddush Hashem. That was giving a great, because it's in your thoughts what you're thinking at that time. You know, what what are you thinking? I'm willing to give Hashem everything back that he gave me. Hashem gave me everything I own. He gave me my very soul. So I'm just giving it back to my creator who deserves to have it returned to him. That was their thought the um we can do the same thing there's ways of making kiddush hashem when you say yeah Shmei rabba that's why particularly uh, a mourner's kaddish person has has a loss there's no mention of death in, in kaddish kaddish is just saying whatever he wants let his name be sanctified forever and ever no matter that i've lost something i am saying hashem i'm accepting your decree and may what you what you want from me may that be sanctified forever and ever That was the attitude, the attitude of wanting God's name to be preserved and lauded, no matter what goes on in my personal life. Tefillah is also under this category of opportunities to make a kiddush Hashem. It says, person wants to serve Hashem with their whole soul. What does that mean? Even when we say Shema, here's your chance to prepare yourself for a kiddush Hashem is to say, be a we love Hashem with all of our soul. Means we're willing to. That means you're saying, if right now, God forbid, you would take my soul from me, I am going to give it with my whole heart. I'm going to love you that you're doing that to me. And this is how you can, in a many way, in Abizrayu, if you want to call it, you're making Kiddush hashem every time you say this with proper kavana. He brings down. Rav Shem I'm still bringing Rashim pink as basically whenever I'm saying something else I've been inserting it. Of chimshimping brings down a pusuk into Hillam capital uh, A. It says uray in derach outsa b says and see if there's something that I'm upset about and you should take me on your path forever. The Ebenezer says these words which are haunting what was David Amal saying in this film shows how high he was compared to us? If I have in my heart one minute in my thoughts. Oh no, I didn't spell something right. Oh, uh, I left out I left out a, a letter. One second. Um Second, let me kept this properly. I, I thought I copied it down, but I, I wasn't. Okay. One, when, if ever I'm thinking about your thoughts, your Torah, and there's one moment, Kahogan, and it's not proper. If I'm thinking one minute, something that won't be approved in your eyes, Hashem. Hamiseini Take me away. Forever, if I won't think in rain, derch oatsav be. If you see something that I'm not, I'm complaining about your Torah, I'm upset with your Torah, I don't appreciate what you've given me. This is how you should, the Hedevit Amalek felt he shouldn't live unless he's every minute being Makata Shem Shemaim and his thoughts. Now, this is an act, this is something like, wait, can think about it. Um, the, um, the idea of a Korban coming close to Hashem or Shem Shem like it, it, it's it's Messira We're supposed to see the animal and it's supposed to be as if we were giving ourselves up to Hashem. He says when we when we say the Tfila, Elochai Shama, in the morning. Second, let me just we say Elokai, my God, you, you're my God. All my hands, all, you know, I, I I wanna I I I don't wanna I don't want to do I, I don't want to do anything wrong, but you're Nishama is pure. The rest of me, I don't know, but your neshama is pure. The source of me is pure. You created it in the Olam habriya, i you, cre- You put it in the, in the world of Yetsira, you, you fashioned it even more specifically, and it's considered holy until until it got into my body. You keep it. And why should I keep it in my body? Because it's so holy and the body is so dirty that they really wouldn't, Hashem holds it within us because really our neshama is very pure. We have such potential, but you're going to eventually take it away. It says, I'm willing, those words, the kadmonim say, you're supposed to be willing another place in davening. You're willing to give up your life because you've been holding this in me. I hope I've kept it properly and I'm eventually going to be giving it back to you. That's what it says in Elokaya neshama. Now, so far, what we said sounds really, whew, a little too much for our generation especially with all the we think of the way we live and what we live for and how how lofty this is from us but how can we achieve it how can we get somewhere there because it's a commandment upon every jew first book kadoshim to you last week's Parsha, and we have this week's Parsha of there is a commandment it's one to 613 we can't say that one you know well, just throw that one out we're not gonna think about that one we have to think about that one the Feivel Mendelovitz once said, if you don't look up at the stars, you're going to fall in the mud. We have to aspire to something and slowly incorporate it into our being. So God does not want us to accomplish it. We're not Rabbi Akiva. In case any of you didn't notice, I don't think I could safely say that nobody in this class is Rabbi Akiva, but we can say we want to aspire to be like Rabbi Akiva. We have to slowly work at it. And if we achieve even something, then we're, we're in, we're Kedoshim, we're Kedoshim, we're people that are, that are making our lives, a, 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 we're sanctifying our lives. So we, we'd have these opportunities by saying Elokai shama every day. We have these opportunities by saying Hafta in Shema every day. Those are opportunities where we can at least have in mind that I would be willing to, to fulfill such things in my life. Now, how can we do it? Rav Mornachai Miller, Zecher Tzadek Levracha gives us some instruction. Okay, he says that um, in the Gemara Nida, we're told that when a child is in the womb, he's taught the entire Torah. And then when he's born, the malach pinches him right under his nose and he forgets the whole Torah. Why go through this whole arduous process? Why should a person know something and then forget it? He says, the reason for this is to teach us that inherently all of us are really attracted to Hashem like a magnet. Our soul really inherently is pure. We really have all this Torah under our belts. We really are at that place. But we've filthied, we've dirtied ourselves up with all kinds of things that we've engaged in during our lifetimes. So he says, that's why it's written in the the, um, passive tense, uh, Vinik Dashti. I should become holy, Hashem says about himself. Not that you should make me holy, but I should become. Why? Because he says it's really a natural instinct inside of us, way deep down, but uh, it's a natural order of things because you're not, how can you be commanded to love Hashem? It's, it's a mitzvah in the Torah, but how can you be commanded to love Hashem? You're not, it's really your natural instinct. It's like a magnetic connection, but it's the stuff that gets in the way. That's why the Meforshim when they explain what it means to, come, to love Hashem, the Hall of Bavcha, they say that Hashem's name should be beloved through you. You can't command someone to love, but that your actions, our actions can reignite that deep love that's burning within us. This basically what Ramon Chamele says, I saw this by Rafsimphazil can count. I think he's mostly saying Rifsim more or less. Um, that uh, that you know, saying the same idea. Now. So we're drawn to Hashem. It's really an inborn, there's a, there's a certain cycle in life. Hashem gives us an inborn gift, and then he conceals himself. Then we make effort, and then we bring Kedusha. That's a human cycle of life that we're supposed to engage in, that really Hashem gave it to us initially. It's there, it's in our kishkas. We have to, through effort, through act through doing mitzvahs, through making Hashem's name beloved, it, it's aroused within ourselves. We get kedusha, and it's all through effort of doing positive things that we can get rid of that negative filth that's clouding us up by doing, like the Rebbeinu Yonah says, could do Hashem, you could take away the chil Hashem. Rav Tzedek Hakayin tells us, like, um, as far as the Omer is concerned, Shabbos, is unchanging. When we talk about we were commanded to the Omer, it says the day after Shabbos, count fifty days. Why doesn't it call a spade a spade and say we count we count the Omer from after Pesach? Why don't we say Pesach? Why do we say Shabbos? And the Sadducees made a whole mistake here, and they 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 said it's oh they only count the Omer from Shabbos. Why? So we say we count the Omer the day after Pesach. Why is it called Shabbos? Shabbos means a day of un, unchanging kedusha. It's going to be holy, whether people keep it or not, because God made it holy when he stopped the world, so to speak. So, too, God gave us a real awakening on Pesach night. He took us all out of Mitzrayim. He showed us his love. We got Kedusha, but then he hid himself right after we left Mitzrayim, a miracle to leave Mitzrayim. We all felt the miracle. The next day, it's all concealed again. And then we had 49 days to work on ourselves, 49 days where we're supposed to uncover the holiness, where we're supposed to, through actions, through actions and and, and thoughts, thoughts when we daven, to have the right kavanas, when we say v'ahavta, when we say alokai and then and then we take that, and Pesach means to leap, to pass over, to jump. It was a big jump, a big start from where we were the day before Pesach, the day before Pesach, we were nowhere. We were nowhere. We actually, when people were, you know, not sinning, they weren't doing, they weren't engaged in the right thoughts. Pesach was a big arousal. And then after that, we had to come to it on our own efforts. But of course we don't count 50. It says 50 days, but we don't count the day 50. Why? Because that's again, a gift from Hashem, Shavuos. Once we unreve- reveal some things, we work on ourselves, we get the present of Hashem giving, uh, taking us above our level. Renus and Alpert, so says that there's no command here. It sounds says, because it's, we're doing all the mitzvahs. It becomes a natural extension. It becomes that. That's why Rabbi Akiva said about himself when his students were incredulous, they saw him being destroyed by the Romans. They we're murdering him in such a savage way. And Rabbi Akiva was saying Shema. And he said, all my life, I worried about these words that I should love Hashem with all my soul why did it happen says rav nissan Albert? because he worked on his whole life he kept saying when will i come to this this he wanted to get to that level of finally being able to say Hashem, i owe you why is this come after the korban toda in the parsha it comes after the korban toda because the korban toda if we have proper appreciation for all that god has given us including our very lives we should naturally by extension want to give him everything back it should come from Tov. But we want to give everything back. For Victor Miller tells us, I'm finishing within five minutes, For Victor Miller tells us that Omer is really instructive to our entire life. It says, We want to count our days. count, Make our days count. But Cain means, Cain means to justify our days. They should be justifiable. For what should we count our days? So, Victor Miller says our days have to matter in general. What does it say? Hashem It says there's only one thing that's wisdom is, is the fear of Hashem. That's what we our whole day is, our whole lives are based for. That's Haqar Satok, to fear Hashem. What does fear of Hashem mean? Yira is from the word ra'a, to see. Ignorance is bliss. You don't want to see. We don't want Hashem. We don't want to owe him anything. We don't want to kind of hide out sometimes. Not to see him, but the purpose of life, says Reveille Victor Miller, is awareness of Hashem. That's what we're supposed to work on during the Omer. That's what we're supposed to work on during our life. And the mitzvahs help us accomplish all these. He says something beautiful. He says, when we talk about days, counting days, he says, the luminaries were created on the fifth day of creation to to, to divide, hi Florence, Uh, divide between day and night. Where luminaries are there to divide between day and night. Now, that, why do we have this big sun in the sky every morning dividing, making days and nights? Why there's many reasons? If we would not have days and nights, as we're a Victor Miller, everything would be one long blur. And we wouldn't feel like life is passing us by. We wouldn't feel this in, in directive that we have to accomplish something with our lives, that we have to do something with our life. We would just, you know we just think, look, there's plenty of time, I, I don't know till life ends. But day and night keeps reminds us another day, another period, another time we have to make something of ourselves. Time is going by also to appreciate more. He says every night person had a horrible day. When you go to sleep at night, he says Hashem has the best surgeons working on your body overnight. So when you get up in the morning, you're a different person. He said that's though if you go to bed on time. If you don't go to bed on time, then you're responsible. But he said, but if you try human effort, your best to go to bed on time, Hashem is fixing you up in the middle of the night. And, and, and it reminds you that time is important, time should be appreciated, and time is irrelevant. Robbing time is worse than robbing money, stealing time. Our time is here, you know. He said, Rav Simcha Simchazisel says, a person, if the, a surgeon, would take care of us overnight. We would write a big check. Or oh, Victor Miller says, it's not for some sorry. Victor Miller says, really, we would write a big check to the surgeon who saved their life every morning. You know, he said, you know, like, okay, just put through surgery. It feels so much better. Why don't we have that same gefil when we say the Maidani in the morning to say that Hashem, look what I owe you. I've had so much appreciation. So, you know, that's, we have to make our days count. I saw me at Ted, like, I'm almost ending. Believe me, I have like a few minutes. But in the TED, we're told, uh Yitzchak Schwartz writes a column, and he says, he saw a sign on the highway in New York, it said, make your days count. So he thought it was a Jew, you know, during Sphera, he thought, uh, you know, there was some Jew, like, uh, saying that, um, you know, remember to count Sphera, but he looked carefully, it was an ad for Jack Daniel, which is a, a whiskey company, so he meant, when you're going to drink that whiskey, make it count. Like, look what people are putting their their, their their stress on. Like, what are people stressing? Make your days count. Like, you know, get a good slice of meat. Get a good drink of Jack Daniels. But we, as Jews, are supposed to look differently. Make those days count. And don't be distracted. Remember that we're here to try to appreciate, to try to make our lives culminated in giving, making a kiddush Hashem in the world and, and not making a chill Hashem in the world. And no matter what job we engage in, let's say a woman, she's providing meals, when we serve somebody, and even if they're being lazy, they're not helping us, or yant, if you feel like you're a servant, you're serving and serving and serving, we should remember, We're emulating Hashem. We're giving food to other people. Anything we do, we can turn into a kiddush Hashem by just thinking the right thoughts when we do those actions. I saw something incredible in the in the Masils to by Rav Victor Miller he brings down something I've read for years and I never understood what it meant I always thought it was extreme um, it talks about if a person's a late so if a person's a scoffer it says it's mm-hmm. if a person like scorns or mocks or scoffs at something it's like wearing a, a shield that has oil on it like it's um it's like you're trying to, 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 to penetrate your life with something meaningful. And when you hear people scoff, it takes away that appreciation. Ravig Miller says this applies to the entertainment that people are involved with today. Major entertainment. People think life is just to shoot the breeze. Now I think we need entertainment at times. We have to, especially when things are too, too getting to us too much, we have to let go. But we have to watch that, watch for that because if a person is too much distracted and forgetting what life is about and that our ultimate goal is to try to make our lives full of Kedusha and to have meaning in our lives and purpose in our lives and to try to give back to Hashtem, everything he gives to us in all the yamim Taivim, we are ruining it. Raviruch Mabavitz once said, Kid- uh, uh, Chilol means when you're machalel something, when you desecrate something, it means you think everything's equal. Hill Shabbos means you think Shabbos is equal to a weekday. Kovit, on the other hand, means you think something has a positive something extra so he says that it's it shows importance of things if we see life is not just to shoot the breeze but life has importance every minute we can acquire more mitzvahs more holiness we can do things for our, our fellow man we can do more chesed. we can daven with more meaning meaningful davening and if there's someone listening we can show more hakaras told more appreciation all these things then we're really doing Kiddish Hashem, that we're raising Hashem up in the world, we're making Hashem's name great. We're achieving our purpose in life. We're not letting entertainment get in our way. And we're really giving covid to Hashem. I'm just gonna end this up, end this off with a beautiful story I happen to also see in the Atad, also by like Schwartz, but this story should conclude our whole meaningful message. There was a Hale Gerebbeh living in World War II by the name of the Kleisenberger Rebbe. The Kleisenberger was known. To give chizik, to, to really give people encouragement. All the people living in, in, in the Holocaust, all the people knew he was a person you could depend on. In fact, they said he never cried the entire World War II. He he never shaved his beard. Somehow he got away with everything. And it wasn't even obligatory. He, he never ate traith. He, he had oil for his menorah. He had matzahs for Pesach. Now, I mean, we're not talking about he had a store going. I'm sure it was like barely. Masira's snapfish. But he was able, even had a fruit on Tubishvat. Somehow he prepared fruit. Like he kept every single mitzvah in the Holocaust. They say the only time he cried was when the Holocaust ended. And he saw Mashiach wasn't here. But in any case, he came, he, he survived the war. And he gave kizik to thousands of people. He went to America and he went to start collecting funds. He went to a famous gavir that lived during, yeah, yeah, the DP camps also. Yeah, and the DP camp is when, right, you're right. Thank you for, for uh, telling me exactly, right? And the DP camp is when he, he cried for the first time when he saw that it, he didn't ring Mashiach. Thank you, Taborah. Any case, so the Rebbe, when he left the war, he was emaciated, he looked gaunt, he was like, he lost his wife and his whole family during the war, I forgot to mention, mention it as well, he comes, he tells this, this Kavir, Reb, uh, Reb, Reb Sam Feuerstein, who is, I believe, in the Midwest he lived, and he did a lot for Torah Masorah, he did a lot for a lot of Jewish causes, he did a lot for Torah, he go, approaches this Sam Feuerstein, and he Sal, and he tells him, I want you to, I want to build yeshivas. I want to build, uh, I want to build shuls. I want to build Torah. And I want to even make a hospital, you know, the, the Sanzer Laniato Lan, Lan, Lan Hospital in Eretz from the Klausenberger Rebbe. Anyways, so he said he wanted to build all these institutions and he's looking at him, this man that looks like he's starved. He's emaciated and he's saying he wants to build all these things and he wants Rebbe, Mr. Forrestine's help to build all these things. So he looks at him and he tells him, Rebbe, I'll try. He said, agree, he agreed. He's going to help him. I'll try. So kosenberg Rebbe looks at him and he says, you know, I had a different meaning to I'll try before World War II and after World War II. Before World War II, and I wanted to go somewhere, I'd walk in the street for one minute and somebody would give me a ride. Before World War II, if I had to carry anything, people would help me carry something. In World War II, I had to walk, carrying a heavy, a 50 pound stone with me in the hot sun, wherever I had to go. And still I kept the Torah. I had to do all these inhuman type of acts, above human, superhuman activities with all my strength, but I had no power left. And then I tried. And then he looked at Mr. Feuerstein. He understood the musser there that I'll try means, you know, if I'm saying I'm trying, you have to try the way I'm trying. You know, so let's try. Let's try to model ourselves after the Kleisenberger. Forever. Let's make our days count. Let's be holy people, not like the lady on the on the radio station. But let's be holy people in the, all the senses that Roshimshin Pinkus meant it—that that we should try to not desecrate, God forbid, in any way these parts of the Torah. Think when we say Vehafta every morning. Think when we say of Shama every every day. Try to make our lives a holy existence. I thank you for listening. I think thank ripka shasha for being the amazing woman she is. And we will see you next week same time hopefully not same place we should all be in Israel Imer Kaitish thank you very much Gazant. Oh. beautiful